Hey guys, this is Steven, and I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, which is Anchor. Anchor is free and super user friendly, as well as it is a platform that distributes each episode to all the streaming platforms that you love, such as iTunes, Spotify, and many more. Last but not least, it also has all the tools in the app itself to help you start your own podcast today. So start your very own podcast today by downloading the Anchor app that is free as well as you can go to anchor.fm to get started today on your amazing podcast you've been waiting on to do for so long. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, this week we get to interview a guy named Alex Bonesteel. He is amazing in so many different ways. We get to hear about that today in our episode. Amber and I were really uh, challenged, encouraged, as well as inspired as creative people and as well as just people in general. We definitely did not know that someone can be able to have so many talents and gifts and use them so well and excellently. So this episode, I hope you guys are really encouraged as well as challenged and inspired as we were. Welcome to the Poyama Podcast, where we like to encourage and inspire creatives to be creative, as well as we enjoy to uh, create spaces for collaboration, as well as empowering others to continue their pursuit for their uh, dreams or their endeavors in their career. Today, we have the awesome opportunity to interview Alex Bonesteel. He is a artist who has been playing violin for many years. Um, I've heard that he's such, he's almost or even better than Lizzie Sterling. Um, I've also have heard that he is a writer who is putting out sci-fi novels as well as he is a, a ex YouTube star. So <laughs> we have uh, a lot of fun things to talk about in this episode, as well as we get to hear from Alex. So, Hey Alex and Amber. Hello. Um, So, Alex, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, So, did I nail everything, or did I exaggerate it, or what? (laughs) You, you, you did a good job for. uh, Yeah, it's hard to describe. You know, I'm 30 years old. Uh, That's that's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, But I am 30 years old. I feel that. I'm 20, almost 29. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They make those jokes about, uh, man, when you turn 30, everything starts going downhill. And I'm like, oh, man, they weren't lying. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> I hope my, my hip hurts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I paint. I do oil painting. Um, I'm a, uh, I've sold uh, over uh, 100 paintings in my uh, artistic career. I've uh, just finished my debut sci-fi novel that's going to be released in the fall. That's called uh, The Ganymede Legacy. And uh, I've been a professional musician here for uh, five or six years or so. And um, what else do I do? do that. That's really important. That's and important, I- yeah. 
and uh, hopefully a, a good uh, uh, valued member of the community as well. So that's mm -hmm. kind of how I describe myself. Awesome. Um, and did you grow up on Woodby? Is that how you know Amber? Um, I've, I've, I'm not born on Whidbey Island. I'm, uh, I was born in Southern California and nice. uh, we, we moved up here when, uh, when I was a little kid and uh, I pretty much grew up on Whidbey and um, I've lived up here for most of my life. I did move away when I was 16 for uh, several years, but then I decided to come back. So I love Whidbey Island and that's my home. Awesome. So you're currently back on Whidbey Island then? Yeah. Okay. And I just want to hear more about like your creative journey. Like it sounds like you have a lot of um, things that you're dabbling into. A lot of people have like this one set path that they're like pursuing and pushing into, but you seem to be a master of all instead of a master of one. So mm -hmm. how did that happen? Yeah, I have, uh, um, I get these comments, um, because there's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that I didn't mention that I still find a lot of meaning a lot of meaning in and that I still take a lot of pride in. Um, for example, like cooking. Um, I worked in kitchens for years, and now I consider myself a pretty decent uh, at-home chef. Um, you know, the physical the physical environment. Um, I played hockey professionally for two years when I was younger, and uh, I'm an ex gym owner and uh, uh, trainer. So. You know, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot on that list that, um, you know, I could, I could talk for hours about the things that I've done. And what it comes down to really is, um, I have really bad ADD, <laughs> <laughs> really, really bad ADD. So, um, a lot of people have voices and, you know, I, I make a joke when I do shows, when I play music, I make this joke that, um, you know, I have a lot of voices in my head mm -hmm. and, uh, I get a lot of weird looks. You know, but we all have voices in our head. I mean, what are your thoughts? Right. Exactly. These are voices in your head, mm -hmm. right? Right. We think that it's our voice, but it's really, you know, it's just voices in your head. And uh, I happen to have, I've actually isolated the number and it's seven. So I have seven voices at any one time in my brain. And um, during moments of, you know, uh, what's, the, what's the right word? During moments of um, uh, turmoil in my mind. Um, they're all saying different things. Mm. It's very confusing and it's very hard to do anything. Right. But, uh, sometimes they all line up and get on the same page, like when I'm playing music. Yeah. That's why music is very cathartic and very, it's something that's always like I felt um, a sense of belonging and a sense of meaning when I play music because it's one of the few times when I can get my the totality of my being to kind of be on the same page and be focused on the same thing. And that's a really nice feeling because I don't feel that very often. Mm. Um, I'll give you an example. Like um, when I was writing my book, uh, I started in October uh, 2018. And um, I worked on it for four months straight. And I was really hyper-focused. I worked on it, you know, three hours a night, every night from about 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. And that was my time to write. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And uh, I got it finished almost finished, I should say, you know, I got it to like the editing phase. And then, you know, I haven't picked my book up in about a month and a half. Why? Because I got really excited about producing a trance album, <laughs> trance music. Yeah. And so I just dropped the book. 
right? <laughs> and started doing that for a month and a half. And then yesterday I was thinking like, gosh, you know what I should do? I should start like a home cleaning business. Because you know? <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur and, yeah. and in my mindset, right? And I'm an entrepreneur. So the other night I was like, man, there really is a need for like another home cleaning business here on Whidbey Island. And that's something that I could easily do, you know, with my skill set. Like I could easily make that successful and probably create like four to five jobs within six months, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> it's really hard because I have to hold myself back when I have ideas because I will just immediately go and do them. I get obsessed for like a month and then the obsession dies off and then inevitably I'll, I'll end up, you know, moving on to something else. So that's kind of my curse is um, I can do a lot of things because I get really passionate really quickly about learning and um, producing really great things in different environments. But inevitably that passion will switch to something else and you know <laughs> you can just look at my life and uh, anybody who knows me will see that and I'll be like man what are you up to next you know <laughs> yeah like, I, I had an energy bar company for for six months that I ended up selling because I just got bored with it you know it was it was, it was successful but I just got bored you yeah. know and I had to move on to something else so that's kind of me in a nutshell and uh if there's anybody who knows how to deal with the um the insanity of having a hyper creative, hyperactive mind, uh, it would definitely be me because somehow I've managed to take that. Um, you know, it really is kind of a, it starts out as a mental um, disability, but mm-hmm. over after a while you learn how to turn it into a mental superpower instead. So, <laughs> I, like I you love put, that. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really is, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of me in a nutshell, I would say. But in the things that you're doing, I mean, one thing, obviously, I know Alex personally, um, he was my trainer. He was a great trainer. The energy bars that he made were really good. <laughs> um, he also is a musician that I looked up to because he very much has a skilled craft at that. And I appreciate that. I know that it's hard to obtain. So um, I'm just somebody like you for somebody like me. I mean, I, I look at you and I think, I don't see any disabilities. All I see is creative abilities. So I think that it's awesome though, that you know both sides and that you just speak them and you just speak truth. That is so refreshing. I love hearing that. There's no judgment, no, none of that garbage, you know, it's just truth. That's, I think this world needs a lot more truth. So. Yeah. um, We, we tend to, one of the things, I don't, I didn't want to cut you off if you were going to move. No, you're good. um, One thing that I just wanted to mention is uh, one thing that I'm kind of passionate about is, uh, you know, in this society that we're in nowadays, we tend to kind of look down on people, especially children who are like me, who have a hard time focusing on things that don't interest them. Mm -hmm. Because if you put something in front of me and I have no interest for it, you're going to get nothing. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to have a hard time even getting me to show up, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, or much less zone out while it's mm-hmm. happening, you know, right. interested in it. I mean, so, uh, and you know, I, my, my son's a lot like that too. He's very much into, you know, he carries that gene, I think, where he's very much into a lot of different things and, um, if it doesn't interest him, sorry, no, <laughs> he's yeah. not going anywhere right, right then. So I had a really hard time in school growing up and I was, uh, I was medicated for a lot of my life. You know, I was given lots of different medication to try to fix me. And, um, you know, that's something that I've become kind of passionate about advocating for just letting people be their unique self, Yeah. 
just because somebody's all over the place or just because somebody's a little weird, it doesn't mean that they're wrong or they're bad or that they need to be fixed in any way, shape, or form. In fact, um, some of the greatest beauty in this world is created by people who are a little bit out there, you know, and uh, it's good to be a little bit out there. It's good to be a little bit outside the realm of normal. Um, that adds spice and variety to life and it makes things interesting. Yeah, that, I love those words. Oh my goodness, so many people are needing to hear exactly what you just said. And that is kind of, you know, the platform. Those are the people uh, that we're talking about here. You know, this is, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I love this. It was Erwin McManus and he said, um, creativity is the economy of the future. Like we are going away from the nine to five jobs. Mm -hmm. the, the world is going away from that. And it is a, it's kind of like this struggle, you know, because everybody's like, no, nine to five is it, you go and you work hard and you, you know, get as much money as you can and that is what you do and then you're considered successful and we're fighting against that with this saying, no, that's not true. You can be successful doing something creative and being who you are created to be. And that can be an economy that you can raise families. You can have nice things. Maybe you don't at first, but I think that you can get there if you work hard at your craft or crafts, multiple crafts. And, and people like you are the people that we think about when we're doing this because we're like, you know, there's got to be um, somewhere for these folks to go because we look at them as creative genius, you know, and artists and something that the world needs to hear and see. And there's going to be things that we've talked about. People will go in a photographer and come out, maybe a musician, just things that they never even thought they could do that now they'll be exposed to and have that place to sit at the table and talk and collaborate with other, other artists and create something that maybe never even has existed before and we're super excited about that yeah definitely i'm gonna ask you the next uh question who would you say are your influences yeah so my my biggest uh uh influences uh, would be first off vincent van gogh because he um i really i really feel like one with him um he battled uh, mental illness his whole life and really used his art um, as a way to process the way that his mental illness shaped his view of the world. And, you know, there's one painting in particular, I think it's um, olive, uh, olive Trees, um, Olive Trees, I think that's the one, that um, I, I realized, like, in his essence, like, if you look at the whole painting, uh, I'd recommend looking up the painting, look at the whole painting, and uh, it's a beautiful, colorful scene, um, kind of surrealist, almost surrealist scene, and... 90% as a painter, I know I can look at the painting and I realize that 90% of the effort went into about 10% of the painting, right? The focal point. And you can see where he spent his time because the brush strokes are so exact and things are like so perfectly scaled and so perfectly done in that little center focal point. And then everything else is just kind of like slapped on. Yeah. Right. And it really kind of gives you a picture into the way that he saw the world where he was incredibly hyper focused on one element <clears throat> at a time. You know, and each one of his paintings, you can see what element he was focused on. Um, so Vincent Van Gogh is definitely a big one. And uh, he's one of the only artists where I've looked at his pieces and I've just been immediately brought to tears, where I've really, really just been shaken emotionally just by the sheer sight of um, the way that he saw the world. Mm. And um, another one uh, is uh, Joe Satriani. He's, a, uh, he's an electric guitarist. 
um, who's in his sixties now, geez Louise, but he's yeah. a huge musical influence on me. Like his, uh, his musical approach is so similar to mine. Um, instrumental, um, you know, out there, <laughs> outer space, rock and roll, you know, jazz, blues, like he brings everything together in his music and really makes a, um, uh, really knows how to tell a story with an instrument. So I really appreciate that. And then, um, let's see, author wise, definitely, um, uh, Dostoevsky, um, the Russian author and, um, uh, Dostoevsky was one of the biggest, um, you know, he wrote kind of the authoritative critique on, um, Soviet, uh, communism and but he did it from a personal standpoint he did it by telling his personal story right um, this is a guy who uh, he wrote most of his novel uh, on toilet paper while he was imprisoned in Siberia under the communist regime and he wrote thousands and thousands hundreds of thousands of words on the back of toilet paper and then smuggled it out and then somehow that got published somewhere wow. you know it was, um, that's a guy who's a huge inspiration to me because he, he really, uh, you know, people who tell their stories through trying circumstances, those are the people who really uh, influence me, you know, because that very much mirrors my experience. Mm. So those yeah, are you, my three. You said something that I guess I hadn't really thought of before because I'm not a painter, um, never have been. My dad is, he loves Van Gogh, so I grew up looking at Van Gogh paintings and he's painted a few that are incredible um but you said that his paintings are the way that he sees the world and you know mm -hmm. same kind of with music and your um, author that you're talking about I mean I I know that that's an expression um, but so interesting to think of it as when you see somebody's painting like even the ones we're lucky enough to see behind you um that it's a picture of how you see the world it's like a, we get to look inside your brain in a way to see these and and how beautiful it is so one thank you for doing it because it you are putting as a creative you're putting yourself out there for people to critique and that can be really hard sometimes. Tell us how, you know, you maybe have dealt with that at times where you're putting this picture that's in your head, the way you see things or this music that's in your head and the way that you express it. And when people maybe critique that in a way that is good and also maybe not, you know, as good, how do you handle that? Like if you're speaking to other creatives who struggle with this, what would your advice be? Well, uh, that's a, that's a, a great great question actually because it's so important to the uh the hyper creative uh, mind you know how do you deal with criticism how do you deal with critique you know how do you sort good critique from uh well i don't want there's nothing there's no such thing as bad critique because even even somebody who says something about your work that isn't true um you can still actually learn a lot from that and you can still actually use that to improve your work right because mm -hmm just as you paint, just as you paint and you put a picture out there and that's how you see the world, well, not everybody's gonna see the world the way that you do. That's not gonna resonate with everybody. There's different kinds of personalities and different kinds of minds out there. And, and to some people, um, they're gonna see that and it's gonna be abhorrent to them. It's gonna be disturbing to them. They're not gonna like it, right? Because it's so contrary to the way that they see the world. And um, th if they if they make that public and they they tell you that and they say oh I really don't like it oftentimes you know they'll they'll 
use specifics or they'll they'll use some um i don't like the color you use here i don't like uh you know um uh you know you'll hear something like um i don't like jazz music you know you'll hear you'll hear sayings like that you know i don't like jazz music or i don't like abstract art right all that all that they're doing is they're painting with their words how they see the world right right it's all it's all a creative it's all a creative process even criticism is a creative process in and of itself mm -hmm. and um i see everything as a painting i see everything as a landscape um Whenever anybody says anything to me, um, I see that as a painting and as a landscape, and I see that as just a valid, a projection of how somebody sees the world as what I just did. So my first uh, recommendation would be, don't get angry, never get angry over criticism. Um, never, never look at criticism as an indictment, because it's not, uh, it, criticism can't be an indictment. It's only an opinion, right? It's only one opinion. And, if you find that there's a consensus against your work, um, you need to ask yourself, like, you know, if I, if I write a song and I play it and every show people are lost, you know, people are just lost. They don't get it. It's not, they're not, they don't understand the piece, right? Um, well, it's up to me as an artist to decide, well, is that the point of the piece? Maybe it's supposed to be really hard to understand. Maybe it's supposed to make people feel a little bit lost. Right? Maybe that's the point of the piece. Maybe that's the actual art, right? Or if that's not what I was trying to do, if I wanted people to understand it, maybe I need to slightly refine my vision a little bit and then bring it forth uh, in another medium or in another way to try to better communicate so that people can better understand. You know, Everything, um, painting, music, it's just like words. If I speak words and I speak in a way where very few people can understand what I'm saying, right? Then I'm not communicating effectively. Um, it's the same way with music and with art. You know, if I'm doing something and it's not uh, being communicated effectively, then it's up to me to decide um, if that was my original goal or not, you know? So I think art with a goal is really important. Like having a goal, having a purpose, having a meaning behind what you're doing, you know? Um, like I'll give you an example. I wrote a song, I called it um, Oberon. And the point of the song was to make people feel like they were standing on a moon, hmm. right? In space, like this barren windswept um, rocky moon with ice, ice caps and, you know, Jupiter is up there in the sky, right? It's a giant, it's in the sky and it's beautiful. And I wanted people to feel far away in essence. That's really the essence is I wanted people to feel far away from where they were. That was the point. And uh, when I played the song, what I realized uh, is that it worked because people would get this glassy look in their eyes and then they would close their eyes. And when I finished the song, it would take people a good like 10 seconds before they realized it was over and before they would applaud, right? So I had a very clear cut idea of what I wanted to do with the song. And then it was up to me to transmute that uh, desire into an artistic expression that hopefully would be effective in communicating that to other people. And um, there's been, there will always be way more failures than successes. You know, <laughs> there's always gonna be in life in general, um, you know, there's gonna be way more failures than successes. So you can't let the failures get you down because all a failure is, you know, if you, if you paint a piece and it's, it's objectively 
not very good. We'll just put it that way. You know, even you look at it and you're like, God, I wish I could have done something different here. I don't really like it. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's part of the piece though. See, right. even the things that nobody sees, that's all part of the piece. Even when I'm, when I, when it's two in the morning and, um, you know, I've been working on it. When I paint, I paint. I paint for like 10, 12, 15 hours at a time, right? I paint, I paint. And then that's why I don't paint that often because it takes a huge physical toll on me. Um, I can't stop, you know? And oftentimes I'll paint until it's done. Like I'll sit there with one and I won't drink water. And at the end of it, you know, 15 hours have went by and I'm thirsty and I'm tired and my eyes hurt. And um, I'll realize that I've been in a zone, a creative zone for the prior 15 hours, you know? And um, that is that is the artistic experience. That is the piece, right? Everything that goes on before you actually produce the piece, that is the piece. Your whole life is the artistic piece, right? When you're creating music, there's an inspiration for that music. And that inspiration is generally your experience, right? And um, so a lot of times we tend to just isolate the piece, you know, whether it's art, music, um, video, you know, whatever it is, we tend to isolate it and just look at it as its own thing. And that's actually not what it is at all. Um, it's a lot more than that, right? There's a lot more around it. It's like when you're reading the subtext in the story sometimes can be the things you don't say can be just as important as the things you do say, right? Yeah. And uh, it's the same thing with every other piece of art. There's a, a lot of, when you're doing a YouTube video, um, the amount of time that you spend getting your, your webcam and your audio recording set up and getting the right software and you know watching videos on how to do things, right? That's all part of the piece. That's all part of the production. Um, there's so much that goes into each individual piece that you don't actually see. Uh, when I build websites, um, I ran a successful um, web design company for 10 years. And uh, when you build websites, it's the same thing. You know, the client only sees about 5% of the actual work, right? 95% of the work isn't visual. It's all behind the scenes. And that's, that's, that's how art is. Um, when somebody looks at uh, of my painting when I'm done, um, they don't a lot of times see the Alex who is laying on the floor, exhausted, panting, sweating, right? Mentally spent after I put the final brushstroke to the canvas. Like they don't necessarily see that, you know? So I think that um, it helps as an artist when dealing with critics to kind of bring it back, to bring it all back around, you know, when dealing with criticism, remember that it's all part of the process, right? Every hiccup, every, every, everything painful, everything joyful, everything meaningful, everything um, dreary and uh, distasteful, all of that, it's all part of the artistic process and it all is the art. So don't shy away from any of it, you know? Um, if you don't have somebody criticizing you, if you don't have somebody, uh, you know, judging you, if you don't have somebody telling you that you're, you know, being negative towards you, then you're really not, you're not really producing anything, right. you know? Because re regardless what you do in life, um, there's gonna be people out there that don't agree with it. You know, there's going to be people out there that don't like it. And um, I enjoy, I actually like it when people don't like something that I do, because at least I got a reaction from them. Mm -hmm. At least I inspired a feeling, you know, at least I made them think yeah. for five seconds, you know, and that in and of itself is valuable. So there's value in everything and there's value in every aspect of that artistic process. 
Um, so don't, don't shy away from it. And when somebody says, you know, when, when you've been working hard on something and somebody just tears it apart, right? Don't let that get you down and don't let that you, don't let that keep you from continuing your work because that is all part of the process. Man, those are good words. Uh, somebody, I think a lot of people uh, that will be listening to this are going to hear what you just said. And that is going to encourage and inspire them because I know as an artist, when somebody criticizes my work, I do struggle with finding the good in that. I, I instantly want to put myself down and go, you know what? You're right. I'm not that good. And there's a million people better. Um, and so just to know that not to take that as the end all be all and and to use that as, as a stare instead of a crutch, man, that's, that's good words. You were talking about that piece you wrote about so that people feel like standing on, they're standing on the moon and it just, I don't know why, but my brain went instantly to, have you ever read the Ransom Trilogy, C.S. Lewis mm -hmm. books? Oh my goodness. That's like what instantly transferred me. I'm like, oh, if they ever made a movie, we're going to have to get your music in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a question, Stephen, I know you have questions too, but I have one that I really want to ask. Um, what has been your favorite experience so far? Um, I know it may take you a second. Um, as a creative, um, just, you know, you were in the moment, you're like, wow, this is like one of my favorite experiences yet to date. I had, um, I've had a lot of those. I feel really extremely blessed because I've had so many of those, those beautiful moments in life. And it really, I mean, it is what, one of the greatest things that makes life worth living, you know? Um, you know, um, like I had one about a week ago and um, I said, I've been doing this trance album and um, the, the last song of the trance album, um, when I finished it, it was such a unique experience because I've been dealing with an ear infection, right? Um, so I couldn't hear anything out of my right ear and it hurt. And I've been trying to do a trance album you know, with an ear infection. So it's not really the best environment for mastering audio, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, yeah. you know, yeah. listening to music, right? It's very difficult. And I've been really, it's been, it had been really getting me down because it was like two weeks. And I was like in this creative mode, like, God, I gotta, I'm so motivated to like do this. And the musical ideas are just flying around and like great things are going down, you know, great things are, um, are happening. Um, great sounds, great melodies, you know? And um, so I was getting, it was getting me down, but, um, you know, I sat down and I just had this, uh, the frustration that I was feeling, um, it went down, right? It went down on the screen. It went down, like I wrote the song and it was very simple, very repetitive, but it was capturing my experience in a nutshell in that moment. And it ended up when I was all done, um, it ended up being a really great song. And the first time I listened to that song, halfway through the song, I felt my right ear pop my right ear popped and it opened up and all of a sudden I could hear out of both ears again. And immediately tears just started streaming down my face, you know? And I was like, this is what it's, this is what it's all about. Like this mm -hmm. is, you know? And, um, you know, I realized like, man, this song is just, this is a banger. You know what I mean? This is just a good song. And there's no other feeling like that when you actually can achieve a creative vision, um, you know, and it brings tears to your own eyes and you feel like, wow, I really actually said what I wanted to say. You know, I really said what I was feeling. Um, you know, that's a great example of that moment. I've had, I've had another really powerful moment as a musician, especially. Um, I've had 
a lot of moments, but recently I had a show at uh, Whidbey Island Center for the Arts. And um, at the end of the show, a lady walked up to me and uh, she was crying and she said, you know, I just want to let you know that your music helped me. I've been dealing with a lot of stuff in my life lately and I feel like your music really helped me. And she was crying. She gave me a big hug and wow. she's keep doing what you're doing, you know, like, and that, that meant so much to me because it's like just that alone, that one experience makes my whole life as an artist worth it. The yeah. fact that even one person that I've managed to reach them and touch them and help them in one way, um, you know, it just makes it all worth it. It makes it really mean something, you know? So that's, that's my favorite moment as an artist. You know, when your work actually means something to somebody, it really hits them. And yourself, you know, when it's you're, a, mm -hmm. you're going for something and you're, you almost sounded like, you're like, okay, this is what I want people to experience. But then ultimately you experience that yourself. That's pretty incredible. I love that. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> A lot of what I do artistically, I don't really do it for other people, right? And I don't think you really can. I don't really think you can do it for other people. I mean, you can try to help help other people, but there's an inner there's an inner working that brings out that desire to help other people with your art, right? There's something going on inside of you, some process going on inside of you that makes you want to um, to reach people with your art. And um, a lot of times, I kind of lose sight of the other people and just kind of really become introspective and focus on myself. And that's great for me as an artist because it allows me to process a lot of my baggage and process my feelings and come to terms with different parts of life um, in a healthy way. And it has a lot of meaning like that way, but then a lot of times I'll lose sight of the fact that other people can also be affected by your work, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, when that's brought right back to the forefront, brought back to the present, I realize how, how I realized the power of art, you know? Um, I realized the power of art and the, the, the fact that, um, you know, there really is real power in it because there's so much in our world nowadays that kind of causes us to butt heads, mm -hmm. that causes us to, to kind of dislike each other and hate each other and see the worst in each other, you know, whether it's, whether it's politics or religion or whatever. I mean, um, you know, there's so much in this world right now that is kind of like dividing people. And I see art, you know, I see, I see um, art, music, poetry, literature. I see these as the vehicles that still bring people together. You know, I've seen um, in an audience, I've seen, I've seen on stage, this is an even better example. On stage, I've seen the most diehard Republican um, Trumpite, you know, MAGA um, person playing guitar and singing. And then right next to him, I've seen the biggest, you know, um, kind of the opposite end of the political spectrum, you know, the progressive, um, you know, um, Trump hater, um, you know, social justice advocate, you know, and I don't mean to put those two at odds because they actually, and as the experience on stage shows and demonstrates, they actually agreed on way more than they disagree on. Right. And uh, they were together on stage playing music together, smiling at each other as a team. They were on the same team and they realized that for just one brief second. Wow, we're actually on the same team. And they didn't care about any of the other stuff. You know, they realized that a lot of that other stuff that is divisive is actually kind of unimportant when it comes down to the actual human experience, you know, of being together, working as a team, loving each other, accepting each other and, uh, um, you know, just being a good person. 
So I see music as one of those things that can really just bring people together from all different walks of life. And um, it gives them a common ground where they can share the same space and really actually get to know each other. And rather than seeing each other for the worst uh, parts of themselves, they can see the best. They can see the best parts and they can share that. And, uh, you know, literature and art and any artistic pursuit has the same power to do just that. That's incredible. So I think that's a really good segue into uh, Poema. Like, as you're saying, like people coming together as a team and the, what we say is like being in collaborations of competition and having that kind of like place. So um, when you say like, as a artist, like, do you find it like your biggest struggle is like working with other people or you find it like, cause you do so many different things. So it's like kind of hard to like pinpoint something. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just like more so like as an artist, like how would Poyama help you with all of your different ventures and travels and ADD things, which are great. Like, I think we should definitely push into that more because people they're like you said before, like they're so fixated and trained um, to be this one thing. And that one goal is never the passion. It's always the pursuit of money mm -hmm. and success, which I think is, it's just a lost cause. If you're chasing money, if you're not chasing actually to, to build impact and to, have something that matters when you leave, um, such as the influences that you have. Um, like it's really nothing that, because money just, you can just give it away or, you know, it just doesn't really have any meaning at the end of your life. Um, so with all that being said, like how would Poyama uh, help you as a creative person? Yeah, so there was like, there was uh, two elements to that question. And um, the first element is involving like, um, you know, teamwork and collaboration and kind of cooperation. And uh, that's something that's so incredibly important as an artist, because, you know, as an artist and in life, you know, anything that I, anytime I use the word as an artist, you know, think of, I, I think a better way to say that would be as a human, um, because yeah. all humans are artists in one way or another, mm -hmm. you know, whether they know it or not. Um, so, you know, you can't get isolated in your art. You, you should really strive not to become isolated in your art because um, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. Nobody is perfect. Nobody uh, is, <laughs> you, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. You know, we're all human, right? We're all human. Gloriously so, mm -hmm. you know, beautifully so, but we're all human. Sometimes, you know, not so beautifully so. We're all human. So other people are great. You know, uh, I, I, live with, I live by myself for a while. And sometimes I'll have these times where, like, my wife goes out of town with my son, and it'll be just me in the house for, like, two or three days. And I realize how important it is to have other people around because, you know, when you live by yourself for a couple of days, you know, with my personality, you start to go a little nuts, right? There's no one there to check you, right? There's no one there to knock on the door and say, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> right? What are you building? Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so it's so important to have that kind of that influence where people can ask you questions and you can ask people questions and um, you can think about things a little bit um, on a different level from a different perspective and other people can think about things on a different level from a different perspective, you know? Um, that is so, so helpful in every walk of life. 
you know, having a little bit of um, a dialogue with other people, you know, because it is all, it's your human experience, but it's also the complete human experience. And, you know, just as your own personal human experience, your own worldview is going to be um, nuanced and shaped by your um, experiences and, you know, your perspective. So is everyone else's and everyone has this interesting little slice and they have this interesting little toolbox that they can draw from, you right. know, some people really understand like pain. Some people really understand emotional hardship, right? Like myself, I really understand emotional hardship. Like that is a huge part of my personal experience. And, I, you know, if you're asking me um, to draw on that to create something, it's not a problem, right? I can do it. But there's other parts of life that I'm not as well versed in, you know, like the big family gathering, for example, right? That's something that I've never had as a human being. I've never had the big family gathering, you know, that's never been a part of my reality. And somebody who has had that can look at my world and we can find a symbiosis where we bring both pieces together and we can create something that's even more beautiful and complete than either one of us individually could have done, right? So that's, that's what I look at. I look at it as like slices on the pie and the more slices, the more, <laughs> you know, um, would you rather have one slice of pie or two slices of pie? Let me just ask you that question. I mean, we want two slices of pie, yeah. right? Yeah, so you know, one slice of pizza or two. You know, we know what's better, right? And yeah, you have to be, you have, you know, too much pizza, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many artists on the project, you know, that creates chaos. You know, you put too many toppings on the pizza, all of a sudden it's chaos. Um, you know, too much of anything can be just as bad as not enough. So finding that balance of creative spirit and creative personalities um, would be something that in a environment like you're trying to create um, would be super, super be beneficial, you know, because nowadays in our social media isolated world and our kind of um, disconnected, you know, isolated world, we tend to err on the one slice, one slice of pizza side of the mm -hmm. equation rather than the two or the three, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. bringing people out, inspiring them to share their art, that's very powerful because so much of our art now is kept held inside right? It's kept held inside and it's kept hidden from the world. And that's sad. We want mm -hmm. that to come out. So that's, that's the way I see that environment really helping in the realm of teamwork. And then in uh, the other part of the question was about uh, money, you know, and um, one thing that I've learned in life, because I've done a lot of things, I've done a lot of things. And um, one thing that I've learned is that if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, the results will not be very good you know so if you're doing something in life and it's taken up your whole life basically and you hate it right you don't like it you don't feel at home you don't see the meaning in what you're doing you're not it doesn't inspire passion in you you wake up in the morning and you don't want to go out and do it like the first thought on your mind isn't god i want to go out i want to get to this you know i want to like get to this and i want to work on it right um you know, if you're, if you're living that kind of dreary, sad existence, and yet you're still bringing in multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars per year, well, it's great that you're bringing in all that money, right? But, you know, money is an object. Money is an object. You can't drink money, right? You can't eat money. Um, you can't uh, uh, fuel your soul and your spirit with money. Right. Right. It's it's there has to be a transmutation process in order to even try to do something like that. Right. Like you have to buy yourself a jet ski. Right. 
And oftentimes the people who have a lot of money, you see them going through that process. You see them trying to satisfy their spirits and fuel their souls through the use of objects, right? So they'll go out and they'll buy the fast car, they'll go out and they'll buy this, this shiny thing, or you know, this really pretty thing, this really nice status symbol of wealth. And then they hope that other people will value them because they see these symbols of wealth. And it becomes a very kind of, um, uh, I don't want to use the wrong word here, but the way I see it, it is kind of a, a, perver a perversion of what's actually important in life. You know, money's great because it keeps the bill collectors at bay. But once you have enough money to avoid getting, you know, phone calls from bill collectors and credit card companies, once you have enough money to stop that from happening, I don't think that more money can bring you any more happiness. And studies have actually shown that that's the fact too. Like there's a line where once you become kind of um, financially stable, um, you know, more money after that point does not correlate with more happiness. It doesn't correlate with a higher happy, happiness index. There was a study they did on this. You kind of hit the top point and then you just kind of flatline, right? Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times you ask people, you know, what makes you the happiest in life? What makes you the happiest in life? You know, and what do people talk about? They talk about their family, mm -hmm. right? They talk about relationships, their friendships, mm -hmm. right? They talk about their community. Like those are the top three things is family, friendships, and the community, those are the top three things that bring people, um, you know, and then hobbies, you know, hobbies, mm -hmm. another thing, which I think, you know, music and art and things, you know, oftentimes They're passion. Yeah. That falls into the realm of hobby, you know, hobby is kind of a bad word for it. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a, a silly little trinket of a word, mm -hmm. but you know, those are the things. And then after that, it's like career way down the list. It's like career, you know? So, I've never gone through life with a plan like, oh my God, I'm going to start this empire and I'm going to bring in all this money and I'm going to do all this. And, you know, the people that have those personalities to make that happen, like the Jeff Bezos of the world, you know, my wife, bless her heart. She's one of those people that can, <laughs> she can take the, uh, the corporate, the corporate world and really find meaning, you know, but even in her job, um, she's a financial advisor. So she helps people to manage their money and reach their financial goals. Um, so very much in that kind of financial world, but, when she comes home and she's in a good mood, she's not in a good mood because of, oh man, I, I did this, um, I made this, um, I got this account and I made this amount of money from it. That's not what makes her happy, right? She comes home and she talks about, you know, I had this young couple in today and, um, you know, they had no idea how they were going to retire. They had no idea how they were going to, um, you know, reach their financial goals. Uh, she's like, but I had a talk with them and at the end of it, you know, they felt so much better about their situation and they realized that a lot of their goals are actually achievable. Like that's how she talks about mm -hmm. her job, right? So she very much takes a humanistic approach to mm -hmm. it. And I think that even the people in like the hardcore corporate world, um, the ones who are the most successful and who are the happiest and have the most meaning in what they do are the people who take that humanist element, right? Or the people that actually care about helping people, right? They're doing it to help people, not to make money. Right. Making money is, that's a side effect, mm -hmm. right? That's a side effect of what they're doing. Those are the people you see be the most effective. It's like when you go to the restaurant and, you know, your waitress, right? Does she get a good tip by saying, hey, will you give me a good tip? Or does she get a good tip by being friendly and happy and actually really trying to provide a good experience to, right. her, to her customers, right? So it's a, cause, it's a cause and effect. It's mm -hmm. a cause and effect. If you just focus on... Um, the actual process of what you're doing, no matter what it is, you know, art, 
business, if you focus on the actual essence of that process, like I'm going to design a really great product that's going to help a lot of people, right? And that's your goal. That's your focus. That's where the art lies. That's where the art is, you know, then the money kind of comes. It's a side effect, you know, and it's never the, it's never the goal. The money is never the goal. It's actually the process. That's the goal. And in my life, that's been specifically evident because I've never, ever thought about, oh man, how am I going to make, and I've been in some shady financial situations where it's like, I don't know where my next check is going to come from. You know, I've never worked a, you know, for any long period of time, like a nine to five. It's just not my, not my personality. I just can't do it. You get bored. Um, I'll work a seven to eight, you know, or an 11 to one. Cause I, I can do like two hours really nicely, but. <laughs> my, productivity, my productivity drastically drops off after like two hours of hyper focus, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but interestingly enough, if you just focus on what you're doing and just really put yourself and pour your passion into it, interestingly enough, the money just tends to end up in your bank account somehow. I don't know how it happens. I've never really figured that out, but somehow if you just focus on your craft and really just focus on where your passions lie, then the money just kind of comes you know, and that I know that's not very helpful to a lot of the starving artists out there, but you just have to trust the process. You know, maybe the reason the money isn't coming is because you're too worried about the money and that's causing all the stress inside your being. And that stress is blocking all of your creativity. You know, maybe it's having a negative influence on your mental state. That's not allowing you to fully express yourself the way you want to. Right. So forget about the money, focus on the focus on the actual process. And um, have faith that the money will come in time, you know, and have faith that even if the money doesn't come, there will be, if you try, if you trust the process, then there will be enough people in your life that love and care about you to really take the sting off of not having all of that money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. I mean, with Poyama being a startup, you know, that's been kind of, you know, both Stephen and I's perspective on this because it you look at the the roadblock of finances and we've both just kind of been like well I mean we're gonna do it we're just gonna start the podcast and we're just gonna go down the road and that path has been set before us and we're on it and we don't know what is going to happen with this to be honest like this could be a big thing this could fall flat or anywhere in between Um, but we both have a passion for it and that's what we're going after. And I'm like, I know we're not the only ones, you know, what if we may have, you know, one fan, oh, well, at least we're following that path and pursuing our passion and interviewing you and some of the other folks we've interviewed. Every time we have an interview, I'm so thankful because it's a learning experience and it's just getting to see inside the brains of some of these people that to me are just really inspiring and, and kind of, uh, epitomize what it is to be creative in but in all these different fields it's not just a photographer not just a painter not just a writer there are so many creative people on this earth and i'm just surprised that create the creative economy hasn't taken you know set sail yet like it, it kind of does but people think it's for very few people um and i think we believe that there's just more people that can set sail in this and make a life out of it you know and not there's also yeah life. there's also a kind of a social um you know a social insanity element to it mm-hmm. uh, i'll give you an example my buddy tom uh he's an amazing painter he paints he's doing the cover for my book nice uh, the cover that he's painting is an absolute masterpiece you know wow. it's, uh, it's a masterpiece and 
you know, his, his painting has such a depth. I mean, it's just, I can't even begin to describe it. It's so beautiful. And Tom Giffen, you should look him up. Oh. Last name Giffen, G-I-F-F-E-N, Tom Giffen. Um, he does these fantasy paintings. And, Is he local? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry. And um, so what is he doing? How is he making his money? Well, he's doing like yard maintenance, small scale construction, you know, and that's how he's paying the bills. And I'm like, why is this guy not like living in a castle in the clouds the way he right. paints? Mm -hmm. Why is he not like living in a space station in outer space, you know, paid for by the king of Bahrain or whatever? You know, like, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Like, right. it doesn't make sense that, you know, I've seen so many people with such amazing, like, one of my other, one of my other buddies, uh, um, Ron, he has a voice like an angel. I mean, he has a voice that brings me to tears no matter what he's singing. Even when he's just talking to me, I get emotional because this guy's voice is just so powerful. And uh, he's an officer in the Navy, you know? And I think that's just a kind of a, a, a social... Um, a byproduct of the way that we've structured our society to really value um, production of um, practical and pragmatic products, mm -hmm. you know, um, products oriented around convenience. Um, that's really kind of what our society values the most, as opposed to the things that make us think and grow as human beings, which is kind of a, a sad, it's a sad state of affairs. And I don't think it's the, the, the right way for humans uh, or the most meaningful way that humans should function. So hopefully over time, our society will change a little bit and um, we will begin to value, um, you know, the creative elements and the um, artistic elements of life a little bit more than we do now. You know, it's a hard time to be an artist right now. It really is. It's, it's tough. There's a lot going against you. So you really have to dig your heels in and dig deep and mm. remember why you're doing it. Remember, use your passion as your fuel and allow that to bust through all of these obstacles, man, because it is not going to be easy. I promise you that. Right. Yeah, well, and finances are one of the biggest obstacles, I think, especially for some of these artists, you know, because it costs money to get into a studio and get mm -hmm. a recording and, and quite a bit of money, actually. And I would say a lot of these people with that artistic, you know, way of life don't grasp onto that corporate you know, world. So they're not making a bunch of money mm -hmm. to go pay for a studio session. And that was kind of, you know, I think Steven's vision behind this, because he had the initial vision of, you know, making it something that doesn't cost a fortune that is accessible to, to these creative people who don't have that corporate nine to five high thing. I think it's a great, I just think it's a great, a great, a really admirable. And I just want to say, because you know, one thing I've learned is it's so important to express gratitude when you feel gratitude. And I just want to say thank you to you two um, as an artist and as somebody who understands, you know, what you're trying to do and the importance of it. I just want to say thank you for committing your time and your effort to trying to do something yeah. to help. That means you know? a lot. Because, well, it means a lot to me to see it because I know that... <laughs> I'm not the only one, you know, and you guys aren't the only ones that look around and say, hey, <laughs> come on. I mean, let's There's do a something. need. <laughs> let's do something here. Let's, let's open some doors, right? Let's open some yeah. doors. And um, it's very, very admirable. And, um, you know, I'll throw my full weight of uh, support behind it as best as I can 
because I think it's a really cool idea. And um, I think it will actually, even apart from being a cool idea, I think it will actually help a lot of people um, in a lot of really, really cool ways. So. Yeah, we appreciate that, Alex. Love to yeah. hear that because some days it does feel like you're going up against a giant and you're like, you know, uh, how am I going to climb this mountain with one leg, you know, but you, it's so cliche, but it's so true. You know, um, you climb the mountain by taking one step, one inch at a time. And exactly. hopefully at some point you don't, you get to the top without falling off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we're, you know, that's I wrote what a we're song going after. <laughs> oh, we need to hear that. Yeah. Speaking of that, we want definitely people to be able to access your content, um, whether that's the paintings, the books, the music, how can a person that's listening to this podcast, um, you know, see what you do? What are your avenues? Just, uh, just go straight to my website and that'll kind of um, uh, take you to every element that I would like you to see. Um, and that's just my first, uh, first and last name.com. So alexbonesteel.com, just like it sounds. AlexBoneField.com. Awesome. We uh, definitely need to have you come, you know, when this is a physical space, maybe even before, but it would be fun to have you come and sit and talk to some of the other creatives that get involved, you know, we're hoping to have this, this big table right, right when you walk in. It's just like a, a meeting place, you know, for collaboration yeah, and absolutely. I would and, love to be involved, you know, um, in any way that I'm, I'm, I'm willing and able. And um, that sounds absolutely amazing. So yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. Steven, anything else? We want to respect oh, your time. Yeah, totally. No, respect to all you guys this time. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been so great to hear your story. I, it's just like nice just to sit back and like, just allow you to, to share like a lot of the times like we like have like these questions that are like all built out and like the funny thing is you just automatically hit all the questions <laughs> in, in it so uh, and you didn't even know uh, what the questions were so I was even, <laughs> even better just to be able to sit back and hear and also just learn and yeah just know that like we are all the same kind of person like in regards to like the ADD like we want to like go and like grow and do things but like you know the fact that you are someone that has worn and is wearing multiple hats is it's, it sounds like a great thing to do but like at the same time I'm like how does he like mentally and like and physically get to that point so like the fact that you do those things and you can give uh, hours of your time to it in like little chunks and how you like can prioritize as well as manage your time so well it's like it's mind-blowing to me if you would, um, if you would like, um, I could definitely do this again and come back on and maybe um, talk about kind of like specific like creative strategies, yeah. um, as, as like mental exercise, because there's a lot of things that we didn't get into um, mm -hmm. that I think would help people to um, mentally organize themselves because I'm, I'm very mentally scrambled, but um, so I've had to kind of do 15 times the average work to kind of like get myself mentally organized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I can share some of those uh, strategies to kind of like help actual productivity um, when it comes to being a creator. Totally. Let's do an Alex part two. I'm all yeah, for that. I want to already go back and re-listen to this whole podcast. <laughs> you, you said some very uh, profound things and things that sometimes people don't say out loud, but I know we all think them, but you put, you put them into words that are accessible and understandable to a variety of people. I appreciate that so much. And I want to go back and listen 
so I catch everything because sometimes you got to listen to something a few times to get all the the nuggets of knowledge You're that so are in sweet, there. Amber. You're so sweet. <laughs> yeah. And we got to get together soon because we got to collaborate too. Let's start collaborating on some Have a barbecue. Stuff. I'm in. You know I'm in. Steven's going to be up this coming weekend. I'll be again. up this weekend. So. Oh, wait. We should totally do a barbecue. <laughs> yeah. If you're around and you have time, let's we'll totally do that. And everybody else right, listening right now it. can be jealous because it's going to be I awesome. I'm incredibly happy to have that. Happen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let's do, let's do it. Okay. I'm scheduling it. It's on the schedule right now. So that's happening. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. And we're definitely going to do a part two. Maybe we'll do a part two barbecue session. We don't know. Stay tuned. Yeah. Whoa. It could happen. We don't know. And it'd be cool for you to meet Steven in person. Um, he's just Absolutely. somebody that I know you two would just, oh my gosh, get along on so many levels. That'd be rad. So we just, we loved having you on. We want to hear more uh, about what you have to say. And I know there's a lot of creatives out there that are like, yeah, do a part two, because I want to know about that stuff you just talked about and you're helping people. And that's what kind of we're all about with this. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right, cool. We will talk to you this weekend. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Bye, Bye. Alex.